Good morning. Welcome to Zion on this fourth Sunday of Advent. A few things for you this morning before we begin our worship. Uh, first, a reminder, please keep Charlie Coates in your prayers and Jane as well. Uh, also, keep Sandy Bryant in your prayers as she's recovering from surgery from last week. Uh, and then a few announcements for you. Uh, we do need uh, someone to take flowers and bulletins for a few Sundays in January, I believe. Uh, so if you're able to help out there, uh, please consider doing that so we can have some flowers covered for January. Uh, a reminder that the hat and mitten tree is in the lower narthex. If you're out this week and can pick up some hats or gloves to pin to that tree, uh, please consider doing that and, and we'll get that to families and children who, who can use them. Uh, also wanted to mention briefly, if you use offering envelopes, you'll notice that there's a Christmas offering envelope. Uh, and there was some question about what that covers. That is benevolence offering. So uh, if you do give for that Christmas offering, it will go towards benevolence and to agencies that serve God's kingdom and, and serve folks. So uh, if you're able to give to benevolence, again, consider that this season as well. Uh, although it doesn't need an announcement, a reminder that Saturday is Christmas Eve. Uh, our worship will begin here at 1030 with, with music, and then the service proper will begin at 11 o'clock. Sunday morning, Christmas morning, uh, worship will be regular time at 10 a.m. So again, invited to come worship with us as we celebrate the birth of our Lord in this season. Are there any other announcements or prayer requests for the congregation today? Yeah, Steve. There is a no share on Thursday. We'll resume a new series on January 5th with session one. Yeah. So the new session of Grief Share will begin January 5th. Right. If there's nothing else, then I'll invite you to take a moment to quiet your heart, quiet your mind, and prepare for worship as we listen to the prelude.
congregation, I invite you to stand. In the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let us confess our sin in the presence of God and of one another. Most merciful God, we confess that we are captive to sin and are not free ourselves. We are sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may lie in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. In the mercy of Almighty God, Jesus Christ was given to die for us, and for his sake God forgives us all our sins. As a called and ordained minister of the Church of Christ and by his authority, I therefore declare to you the entire forgiveness of all your sins, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.
grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the Church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. For this holy house and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Help, save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord.
Let us pray. Stir up your power, Lord Christ, and come. With your abundant grace and might, free us from the sin that hinders our faith, that eagerly we may receive your promises. For you live and reign with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. A reading from Isaiah. The Lord spoke to Ahaz, saying, Ask a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be as deep as Sheol and as high as heaven. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, and I will not put the Lord to the test. Then Isaiah said, Hear then, O house of David, is it too little for you to weary mortals that you weary my God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Look, the young woman is with child and shall bear a son and shall name him Emmanuel. He shall eat curds and honey by the time he knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good. For before the child knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good, the land before whose two kings you are in dread will be destroyed. The word of the Lord. We shall intone the song. reading from Romans. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, 
set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. The gospel concerning his son, who was descended from David according to the flesh, and was declared to be son of God, with power according to the spirit of holiness by resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith among all the Gentiles for the sake of his name, including yourselves who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. To all God's beloved in Rome, who are all called to be saints. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. The word of the Lord. Gospel according to St. Matthew. Now, the birth of Jesus the Messiah took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. But just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took her as his wife, but he had no marital relations with her until she had borne a son, and he named him Jesus. The Gospel of the Lord. I invite you to be seated. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. But if you go watch a play, or perhaps read a play, but if you go watch a play at a theater, it's generally true that the main character in that play is going to have the most lines. Right? That's why everyone wants to play the lead if they're an actor. For example, if you've ever seen Hamlet, or if you've read Hamlet, the title character of Hamlet never stops talking in that play. And if you looked it up, you'd find that one-third of the play Hamlet is, in fact, Hamlet just talking. No other character come clo comes close to matching the number of lines that he has. And so the number of lines a character has in a piece has often been used to settle debates about who the main character actually is in a drama. For example, if you've seen the uh, popular 90s, early 2000s sitcom Friends, you would note that there isn't actually a main hero, or at least there's not supposed to be 
in that show. Each show more or less features the whole group of friends. That's why it's called Friends. But I came across an article in which television critics looked into it, and they found actually that the character Ross had the most lines, followed closely by the character Rachel, which makes sense because so much of the show was ultimately about their romance, and that lasted through many seasons, and the show was ultimately about them. But in our own lives, the people who speak the most to us are really the main characters in the drama that is our days. So I would guess the main characters in your life are likely to be a spouse, a sibling, a best friend, a parent, a coworker, right? The people that fill your days with words. These are the people who not only share information with us, but they shape us and they shape how our life unfolds. We don't use words and language in a vacuum. Language and words are used to share ideas with others. And in sharing ideas with others, we get to in some way shape their life. Right? Words, language, talking, these all become means by which we get to pour out our lives into others. We get to become the main characters in the lives of those around us. Well, our gospel reading this morning is a familiar story. We're comfortable with it. We know the details. We know the conflicts. We know the tension that's there. We know the various problems that are coming up for Joseph and Mary. However, when we, when we read this story, I think we might want to ask, who is actually the main character? Because the action itself is largely centered around Joseph. It's Joseph who was unwilling to disgrace Mary. Joseph was the one who struggled in contemplation with what to do. Joseph is the one who has a dream. Joseph is the one who acts and takes Mary as his wife. Joseph is the one who names Jesus. And all of this action is centered around Joseph. But we notice in the story, Joseph never speaks. He doesn't say a word. So maybe he's not the main character in the story. Well, Mary's in the story, but she's only in the story indirectly. She's only spoken about. So she's probably not the main character. And so we can ask, well, who is speaking in this story? Who is the main character? Well, an angel from the Lord speaks in a dream to Joseph. And here we have that preacher, that messenger, speaking the word of God. And then we have the prophet Isaiah speaking through quotation in the story. And so for Matthew telling this story, both the message of the angel and the words of the prophet Isaiah are the words of God. It's the word of God that is speaking. And on top of that, we have God acting more than we would initially have thought when we read the passage. It's God who brings faithful Mary and Joseph to that right point in history to receive the good news. It's God who has put this child in the virgin's womb. And this child is not just a child, but this child is God with us. This child is God's activity in the world, right? And this child's name is not just a name, but his name is Jesus, which means the Lord saves. And so who's the main character of the story? Well, it's not Joseph, it's not Mary, rather it's God. It's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And I know that seems like the good and proper Sunday school answer, right? Every child in Sunday school knows that if you answer every question with God, 
you're eventually going to get some answers right. But I think Matthew is really being intentional in his storytelling. He gives neither Joseph nor Mary any lines because fundamentally the story is not about them. The story is about what God is doing in the world through them. And that's significant. Because if we really think this story is about Joseph and Mary, we don't really get the point. The main character of the story is God. And he makes an entrance, so to speak, right in the beginning of the Gospel of Matthew in verses 1 and 2. Our lectionary cuts out that preceding section in Matthew, but it's really meant to flow into verse 18 where we start this morning. But Matthew 1.1 and following is the genealogy of Jesus. It's that list of those who have preceded him. And it gets cut out, understandably, because it gets kind of tiresome to read all of those names in church. right? Abraham fathered Isaac, and Isaac the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Judah, and so on. But in Matthew, this is not just background material. Because it points to God acting in history right up to the moment that Jesus is born. Matthew points out that there were 14 generations from Abraham to King David. And then 14 from King David to the exile, and 14 from the exile to the coming of the Messiah. Matthew's point is to connect the definitive moments in Israel's history, Abraham, David, and the exile, and make sure that we get the point that it's all coming to its climax in Jesus. It's all pointing to Christ. And if we're all pointing to Jesus, we can be clear that history is not random. History is always God acting to bring his word into the world. Jesus was not a plan B. Jesus was not a contingency because all of God's other plans failed. Rather, Matthew wants us to know that history was and always is centered around Christ coming into the world. And so in verse 18, we again see the action of God as the driver in our text. It says, Mary was found to be with a child from the Holy Spirit. Matthew is signaling to us, Jesus is different. He's different because he is divine. One church father explains, but because the word could not be seen as God in the glory of his own majesty, he assumed visible flesh to demonstrate his invisible divinity. He took from us what is ours in order to give us generously what is his. That's the main point of the story. And God is that main character in the story. He's the main driver of what happens. He is everywhere present throughout all history. But this means that if God is the main character of all that happens, we also must see that God is the main character in our lives. Another church father writes, he took from us what is ours in order to give generously what is his. That is to say, we have true life, abundant life, life everlasting in him. We have a life that is no longer defined by death and sin. Life that is no longer about struggling alone in the darkness. Instead, we have life with Emmanuel. We live life with God. And so God gets the most lines in our life, so to speak. Because it was the word of God coming into this world that truly brought you 
into the new creation of this world. It was the word of God that saved you at your baptisms. St. Leo writes, the same spirit that filled the virgin now fills the baptismal font. Hence that sin which was once removed by a holy conception is now taken away by the washing of baptism. The word of God comes to you in bread and wine. And when we ingest him by faith, we're brought ever more closer to God, to Emmanuel, God with us. And God speaks to us through the proclamation of his word. When through our ears, he speaks to our hearts and assures us that he is with us. Indeed, God is not silent in history. And even more, God is not silent in our lives. Whether God is the main character that shapes us in the good news that our sins are forgiven. He shapes us with the assurance of his transforming presence. He shapes us to love his goodness and to love our neighbors as ourselves. And it's his word that's going to raise us from the grave on the last day so that our whole life, beginning and end, is dependent on the very word of God. Well, we have just a week left in Advent, so we have just a little time to prepare for the coming of the Messiah into this world. And so let us take that time to prepare for the word of God that is coming, not to be an extra in our life, not to be an accessory, not to be a warm, fuzzy feeling, but the word of God that is coming to be your life. He is coming to give you life. He is coming as your life, the main speaker in your life. And it's his word that gives you life. And so in this final week of Advent, we prepare to listen to him as he speaks to us through his dear son, our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.
Together, let us stand and confess our faith using the words of the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally God the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten not made, of the one being with the Father, through him all things were made, for us and for our salvation, Let us pray for the whole Church of God in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their need. Almighty God, we praise you that you sent your Son to become flesh for us, and that by your grace the Virgin Mary received your word with faith. Teach us to cherish your Son, trusting that he will save us. Lord, in your mercy. Almighty God, we praise you that by your kind providence you create new life. Preserve all pregnant women and the children in their wombs. Grant them safety through their pregnancies and in their deliveries. And help all parents to nurture their children in love and faith. Lord, in your mercy. Almighty God, fill with peace the hearts of all of those who are away from their homes this season. Especially members of the military, for missionaries and all aid workers. In your timing, reunite them safely to their families. Lord, in your mercy. Almighty God, guide all who administer and judge our laws. Change the hearts of those who would lead us away from justice and truth. Preserve in this land the freedom to serve you and lead us to be faithful citizens and provide wisdom to those in public office especially Joseph, our president, and Richard Michael, our governor. Lord, in your mercy. Almighty God, graciously watch over the hungry, the poor, the unemployed, and move us to serve you in showing mercy to all of those in need who are around us. Comfort the grieving, heal the sick, and grant faith to all who suffer. We pray especially for Steve, Owen, Sandy, Charlie, Ron, Phil, Judy, Amanda, Brad, Marilyn, Nancy, Rose, Tony, Carolyn, Joyce. Lord, in your mercy. 
Receive our praise for the faithful lives of the saints who have preceded us in death. With all of your saints, bring us and hope to the day of our resurrection when your Son will forever be our light. Lord, in your mercy. All these things and whatever else you see that we need, grant to us, dear Father, for the sake of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. And now the peace of the Lord be with you always. And also with you. God of abundance, we bring before you the precious fruits of your creation, and with them our very lives. Teach us patience and hope as we care for all of those in need until the coming of your Son, our Savior and Lord. Amen. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is indeed right, our duty, and our joy that we should at all times and in all places give thanks and praise to you, almighty and merciful Father, through our Savior Jesus Christ. You comforted your people with the promise of the Redeemer, through whom you will also make all things new in the day when he comes to judge the world in righteousness. 
And so with all the choirs of angels, with the church on earth and the host of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending Holy One, the beginning and the end, the giver of life, blessed are you for the birth of creation. Blessed are you in the darkness and in the light. Blessed are you for your promise to your people. Blessed are you in the prophets' hopes and dreams. Blessed are you for Mary's openness to your will. Blessed are you for your Son, Jesus, the Word made flesh. In the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread and gave thanks broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. Again after supper he took the cup, gave thanks, and gave it for all to drink, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this for the remembrance of me. Let us proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. With this bread and cup, we remember your word dwelling among us, full of grace and truth. We remember our new birth and his death and resurrection. We look with hope for his coming. Holy God, we long for your spirit. Come among us. Bless this meal. May your word take flesh in us. Awaken your people, fill us with your light, bring the gift of peace on earth. All praise and glory are yours, Holy One of Israel, Word of God incarnate, power of the Most High, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Thanks be to God.
please stand. Let us pray. We give you thanks, Almighty God, that you have refreshed us through the healing power of this gift of life. In your mercy, strengthen us through this gift and faith toward you and in fervent love toward one another. For the sake of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, bless you now and forever. Amen. Amen.